It's time once again for another episode of the Buckhead Business Show. Being brought to you by the Buckhead Business Association. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. And now, here's your host for today's episode. Well, good morning, good morning. We are live here in the Buckhead Studios overlooking Linux Mall with a billion-dollar view. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, Mr. Michael Moore. And uh, it's Michael Moore here, and we've got Mary Blackman with us and Jay Cornelius, and today we're going to twine in some customer experience and make you a little healthier while we're doing it. So we've got an exciting show planned up for you today. We've just come off some interesting weather. We're here. It's not, is it springtime yet, Rich? Um, it's every day, yeah. It's and for spring the, enter. For the Falcons. And for the Falcons. And, uh, now we, we're not <laughs> Don't get to, me started on that. That new Mercedes-Benz Stadium, how about that? And how about that? They, they lit up the Ferris wheel last night in red and black. Now, how do you it's, light something up in red and black? I don't know well, about that. It's not official yet, but word is, rumor is, uh, PBC actually got two seats now at the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. There, so there are, you there play are, your cards right, Michael. There, you're are, in, there are two <laughs> seats for every there game is. there if you have the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we, had, we, have our, we have our official PBC seats there, but meanwhile. Right. We'll, we'll look for the flash. Right. Well, this morning we're going to start out with this is the Buckhead Business Show, and it's also co-hosted, co-sponsored by the Buckhead Business Association. We've just come off a, a great startup of the year. We've got back to regular morning breakfasts coming up, so we look forward to seeing you at the City Club at 7 o'clock on a bright Thursday morning, 7 to 9. We have a great, great roundup of speakers. Uh, we just had an annual lunch, which had uh, Jesse Itzler from uh, uh, from sort of Spanx fame. I guess he keeps Sarah Blakely happy, so <laughs> right. we'll let him be there. But he gave a great opportunity of what it's like to have a seal with, live with you for a whole month in your home. That could certainly that could change your coffee schedule, wouldn't it? And that wasn't a reality show. That was for real, right? That, that was for real. He wrote the check and asked the guy to come stay. Can you imagine bringing, bringing a, a seal home to your wife and let him live there for 30 days with a with kid? They had a small <laughs> child at the time, so it was very, very interesting. But this morning we're going to talk to uh, Jay Cornelius, who uh, has been part of the entrepreneurial space here in the marketplace for quite a while. He's uh, been a part of a several successful companies and grown several successful companies, and now he's doing something in the customer experience space, which is basically helping companies maximize their customer experience. So, Jay, tell us a little bit about that trip you've made over the last few years that really impacts you. It's been a roller coaster ride for sure. <laughs> um, as anyone who has worked in startups or entrepreneurial world, knows it's, um, it's always interesting to see the challenges people go through. And so what we're focused on doing is helping funded startups, which means companies who have secured at least a million dollars in professional investment, and enterprise innovation groups figure out how to take new ideas to market. We start with figuring out their brand strategy, where do they sit in the marketplace, and then prototyping ideas that help them actually test their theories, prove that it's worthy of more investment or uh, taking to a broader market and then uh, get them built and, and brought into real life. So you're really positioning them before they know they need to be positioned, right? Yeah, that's the fundamental step that a lot of people forget is you might have a great idea, but that doesn't mean that a bunch of people are going <laughs> to pay for it. Um, we see a lot of founders who come up and say, I want to make the, uh, it's the X for X formula. I want to be the Facebook for truck drivers, or I want to be the Instagram for cat lovers, or something along those lines. It's And it's always interesting to see how myopic they are because they have this need and they're super passionate about it, but they never did the, the research to figure out if other people have that need. So we always start there is figuring out uh, what that market is, how big it is, what's the addressable size, um, is it profitable, is there actually a way to do this and make money rather than uh, just do it and, and uh, it'd be a charity adventure. 
<laughs> so charity ventures are no fun, especially for the investors, right? Well, charity and ventures are important too, but you you have to have the right expectations. Well, now you sound a little bit like a real estate agent there. You do represent the uh, the investor from a perspective of making sure that you keep your clients as well as make them uh, make the companies more successful. So talk a little bit about some of the experiences you've had and some of the the uh, the uh, the far sides of the spectrum. Which way does that pendulum swing? Talk about some of the good and the bad, if you will. <laughs> well, <laughs> without names, of course. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's there's so many examples of companies that have failed. Uh, you don't have to go far to find a startup that didn't go anywhere. Um, and you don't that's, really. That, have that's to an oxymoron, right? The startup that didn't go anywhere. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, just because you start, you take that first step, you can fall on your face pretty easily. You have to have a plan. Um, and then you know, everyone knows the what the industry is calling unicorns of the space. You know, people like Airbnb and and Facebook and. Uh, the, the companies who really started from nothing and have grown into these giant, uh, really, really powerful organizations. Um, so you really, if you want to focus on uh, the extremes, those are easy to find. I think it's more interesting to find the things that are somewhere in the middle where you can um, find a company who has an interesting idea that might not be very sexy, but it's, it has a market that's addressable, and you can turn that into a ten, twenty, hundred million dollar business, and that's not going to attract, um, you know, a super high level of attention from Bloomberg, but it's going to create a lot of value for a lot of people. Well, it's going to build a lot of families, and it's going to build a lot of, of customers. So that customer experience becomes so critical. Talk to us about some of the tools you actually use in the marketplace, without giving away too many trade secrets. Well, the the tools that are most common are things that are pretty well known already within the startup community, but they're not very well known within the the business community as a whole. Um, tools like the value proposition design canvas, um, the the empathy mapping diagram. Um, we've got a digital strategy worksheet that we use to help people understand how to speak about their products and identify the right people to talk about it to. Mm -hmm. um, one of the examples that we use is the Millennial Mug. So it's a, it's a product. Millennial Mug. The Millennial Mug, which is a coffee mug. Everyone has these travel coffee mugs, and some are better than others. And it's, <laughs> it's just a hypothetical company, doesn't exist, that is intended to create the better travel coffee mug for millennials. And when you hear me say that, it sounds interesting because millennials is a buzzword, but it doesn't actually mean anything. Sure. What does a millennial want that's different from anybody else? So through this exercise, we dig into, well, is it, um, is it something about how you hold the mug? Is it the size? Does it fit in your cup holder? Does it have to be grippy so it's easier to hold on to? Does it need to clip onto your bag so you can easily carry it with you? Like, what are the things that are really important about having a travel coffee mug? And going through that exercise with people helps them understand that there's more to creating a product or a service than just having an idea and thinking it's going to be good for some group of people. But you really have to dig into what people want, what are their pains, what do they need to, to gain from a, a relationship with your product or service, and then how do you speak to that in a way that is easy to understand. Well, one of the things you just mentioned there was uh, in, in your analysis looking at that millennial mug, which I think is a very interesting way to build a case study, by the way, is to look at uh, anticipation of what is going to be changing in the eye of the user. Mm -hmm. So when the customer experience changes, and you use that term, is it grippy or does it fit the cup holders? You know, some of the designs of some of the, quote, mugs or some of the other products in the industry, doesn't matter what industry you're talking about, don't seem to anticipate what's next mm -hmm. as well as they should. So people are all trying to catch up. So talk a little bit about, again, some of those experience factors that we, we might not think about. As we, as we were startup business owners or 
or, or product brand development people. I mean, these folks have gone to school for this stuff. You, you, you seem to be smarter than they are in some regards. Well, it's, it's really just about asking questions and being willing to listen to the answer and being willing to be wrong. Uh, most people will go into the market. We could go down on the street right now and ask 10 people on the street what they think of a certain product, and you're going to get answers that you never expected. And so you have to be willing to take your idea, to prototype it on a piece of paper, like we've got these notepads here in front of us, to just sketch it out on a piece of paper, go out into the street, talk to real people who have that need, and be willing to be wrong, be willing to change your ideas. And the, the important thing is validating your hypothesis about will this thing work, will people pay for it. Uh, one of the most powerful examples I've seen was at a trade show, and uh, one of the people in the booth said, well, we have this, this product, I'm not going to name it, but we have this product, and we think it's going to be great for this demographic. And I was like, okay, that's cool, so let's sketch it out here, take it on a piece of paper. And I pointed to somebody else at the trade show, is that your target demographic? Yep. So I walked over to them and I said, hey, would you buy this thing? They're like, no, I would never use that. <laughs> and so I did that like five or six times, and it really proved that what they have is not going to work. And that company ended up failing about, about nine months later. So the, the, the trade show test failed in that case. Yeah, it's just guerrilla <laughs> user testing is, is what we call it. It's just get on the street, talk to real people, get out of the building, and don't, afraid, don't be afraid to be wrong. Well, you know, I guess a true entrepreneur, as you said, starts as a team of one. Uh, mm -hmm. or maybe two, uh, and with an idea. And if, if they're willing to talk to enough people and, and get their knees scraped, then they can probably be a little bit more successful. And if also if they build to their team, and they're willing to make those, as you said, make mistakes. It's not how many mistakes you make, it's how many times you come back from them. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, there's a quote from one of my favorite business movies, Moneyball, um, where the, the character who plays the owner of the, of the Boston Red Sox says, the first one through the wall always gets bloody. And you have to be willing <laughs> to get bloody. Um, you have to be willing to go out and just ask what seem like dumb questions and, and be willing to deal with the hard facts that come back to you. As they say, pioneers have the colored arrows. They, they make the fashion statement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they've, right. pick, they've picked up all the tricks. Well, in terms of the kind of folks you like to work with here in the Atlanta market, and um, I guess you work nationally and internationally, correct? We do. We do. Actually, uh, two of our biggest clients are in New York. We've got a client in Italy. We've got clients on the West Coast. We've got a, a good client base here in Atlanta. Um, we're equal opportunity abusers, so we'll, <laughs> we'll take anybody with a good idea, um, regardless of geography. That's one of the great things about the web is it enables us to work from anywhere. So with a customer experience model, though, how do, how do you go about making sure you use that criteria earlier, the million dollars in, in, in funding? Mm -hmm. and, a, and a sort of a viable product, which you may or may not accept and may, may or may not prove and disprove. But talk about some of the other things that make a client a good client for you. People who are willing to listen. Um, we internally and with our clients, we talk about swim lanes a lot. Um, you, as a client, are an expert in whatever field you come from, and you're coming to us because you need help. So you need to recognize that we are an expert in the things that you're coming to us for help for. And sometimes while we might have an opinion, our opinion comes from decades of, of work. So it's an educated opinion. And sometimes you might not feel it's the right, the right approach, but we need to test that and see. So a client who's willing to be wrong, who's willing to listen, and who's coachable, to use a startup term, uh, is, is an ideal client for us. Um, industry verticals, that type of thing doesn't really matter. There's good ideas across all types of products and services. We s typically focus on digital products, but as more and more digital is making its way into our everyday lives, into the physical world with wearables and Internet of Things, that line is getting pretty blurry. So we're not afraid of, of tackling a physical product. We've done kiosks for stores. We've done full digital experiences that are immersive in a physical environment. That stuff doesn't scare us either, but we really focus on, on the digital side, so people who need apps and, and uh, websites and things of that nature. 
Well, you know, you bring up an interesting point. I've just watched uh, in the last week or so, I've been working with the uh, cleaning out the garage approach mm-hmm. of looking at the, the, the close fives and the, I'm going to name some brands here, and the, uh, and the uh, Craigslist and the, uh, all the other things. How, how would you go about looking at a niche if you were trying to help a customer be more successful and not make the mistakes the previous early adopters had made? Well, there's certainly some, some tribal knowledge in any particular niche. And so you can learn from other people's mistakes, but that doesn't mean that your path is going to be the same. So you still have to go out and do the work of talking to real people and, and identifying customers that are willing to pay for whatever it is that you're offering and figuring out what their pain points are. Good. Well, one of the things exciting is I know you have to go through an elaborate uh, team building process to get your team working in the right direction. Your employee selection project must process must be very interesting. And if we had a little more time, we would deal down those those drains today. But let's take a minute and take a break and talk about uh, our sponsor, which is this is not a commercial gig. But, you know, I know that both of you people are familiar with the Buckhead Business Association and you know that you need to be in Buckhead to do business. I think your office is here, right, Jay? We're actually in West Midtown, but I spend a lot of time up well, here. Speaking of that, go ahead and give your plug in as to how people get in touch with you at, at your organization. Easiest way to find us is on the web is 9labs.com, N-I-N-E-L-A-B-S.com. You can find me personally at uh, on Twitter at, at JC, just letter J, letter C. JC, very good. And a, and a good, let's see, the email, did you get that? What's that? Did you give your email? Your I did not, but you can. It's it's hello at ninelabs.com. I knew it was yes. a cute email. That's why I wanted you to get that out there. So if you want to get that customer experience to be better, you've got the man here to do it. You can just find him at hello at ninelabs.com. He has the so. Twitter handle JC. Yep. JC. Is JC. Does Jesus Christ know about this? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get a lot of his followers. Yeah. A lot a of lot his followers. Yeah. Nice, yeah. yeah. He has a few. Well, he started with twelve, right? <laughs> <laughs> You know, brand recognition is the key, right? We, I think we've heard that story before. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many prayers I get in multiple languages. Oh, nice. it's, it's actually pretty entertaining. <laughs> it's pretty good, yeah. Well, I, th- I think there's a book there. We've had a number of authors. We'll get you back when you get that first uh, JC yeah, book out. As soon as we do religious programming on Pro Business Channel, yeah, we'll give you a call. I think we'll, we'll stay away from that. Yeah, well, yeah. Let, let's, let's, let's move on to the other side because I think we're going to do some customer experience here. Now, Mary Blackman is, uh, is the king, queen, and other of a great place called Farm Star Living. And I bet you're curious at this point, wondering what in the heck Farm Star Living is. But I think it's a national organization. She's going to talk to us about that. It provides a better habit or habits for the people who get associated with it. So, Mary, strike out and tell us all about it. You bet. Well, first of all, thanks for having me here today. Um, well, I started Farm Star Living because I felt that it was high time to start celebrating our farmers like we have done for our chefs. You know how we made chefs? Stars. stars. Why well, want to make farmers stars? Hence, farm stars. And as a business model, of course, you kind of push your way through to find the right lane for you. And so, farm stars became Farm Star Living, which is a lifestyle website that celebrates farmers, fresh food, and healthy living by providing content on food health, on farmer profiles, on farm-to-table restaurants, coast-to-coast, recipes, videos, and even farms you can visit in every state. Wow, even on Sunday afternoon, I bet. You bet. It's the best day. <laughs> the best Pack day. up the car. Go on a road trip to a farm. Everybody but the cows is taking a day off, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Farmers don't take a day off. Well, now, you got started right here in Atlanta, Georgia? Now, where did you start this business? Well, the concept came from... Um, my own personal experience. Um, I was in media, and I've been in that for a little over 25 years. Careful now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Makes me uh, a little older than 
39. Uh Uh-oh. So um, anyway, but I decided to take over my family farm when it was going to be sold. And that was a really, it was a soul-searching process because I never really grew up on the farm, but I visited my mom's, her parents' farm, you know, growing up as a child. And when I really had to look hard at letting that farm go and letting all that history and heritage go, it just, it wrecked me. And so I ended up leaving Beverly Hills and a very successful internet media career to move back to this very rural area right on the border of Arkansas and Louisiana. Oh, that is rural. I can tell you I'm telling you, I didn't have internet at my farmhouse. And I was 45 minutes, as the joke is, um, to a piece of fruit. So I was really remote, and during that process, um, I was schooled, educated, and I learned what it's like to be on a farm. And that also really inspired me because, you know, farmers are a really unique breed of people. They have courage. They have um, conviction. They have passion because it's not a cakewalk to be a farmer. And I really felt like it's often a thankless job. And I thought I could take my media background and this new passion I had, which I started to share with the farmers, and elevate them so that other people could relate to them, could understand their world better, and see where their food comes from. So now you're doing the blogging stuff. You've got to be doing some video stuff. You've got to be encouraging people to be more communicative. How do you get the farmer who's busy daylight to dark and sleeps a little bit? to begin to give you enough content to make your people happy that are your users. I guess your users are on the far side of the the food table. Well, um, I have two different audiences, okay? okay? One audience is mainstream public, the people who maybe have never been to a farm, but they're really intrigued and curious about where their food comes from. And 95% of people today want to know more about where their food comes from and how it's grown. Okay, And the millennials, they're all about it as well. They want to know how their food is processed. Where is it you know, coming from? How is it sourced? And so my audience with the public is helping them relate to their food in a way that maybe they haven't. It's to shine a light on the farmers, on the farm fresh food in a way that they can say, oh, so that's where it comes from, or that's how it's grown. So that's one audience, which is educating in an interesting way, in a fun way, to the public. Then my other audience is the farmer, like you talked about. And, yes, they work from sunup to sundown, and, it, you know, all throughout the year. So I try- Seven days a week. Yes, they Cows do. Cows rest. So I try to schedule a little bit of time with them so that they can tell their story and that they can share what – what they think is so special about what they do, and also what they wish people understood better. And so I think it's such an important message that I give them an opportunity to share that they want to make time. And, you know, they seem very grateful for the opportunity to have a voice that is heard. Well, I think, you know, the, uh, the, the farmer who has the ability to learn their own story is then able to educate their not only their children but the other people in their communities about what they really do because as you as you made the comment about being what forty five minutes from a piece of fruit oh. you know there's not much <laughs> fruit that grows between <laughs> Arkansas and Louisiana but you've got to wait for that Chiquita banana or or the organic banana to, to come to your door and how does it get there well farmers have the same problem you just don't 
go out and get the truck full of watermelons. Somebody had to plant them, grow them, harvest them, market them, because uh, it's not all roadside stands anymore. But you mentioned farm to table, which is exciting. And I know we have here in Atlanta, we're very blessed to have a lot of what are called local farmers markets. Mm-hmm. So talk about some of your work in the educational arena that is kind of every week. Are you doing anything here in the local marketplaces or any special cities to help? Well, I do things in all markets. So, you know, obviously Atlanta is where I live. I did move from the farm to Atlanta where my brother lives, his family, and I lived in Atlanta once, and I love it here. So I've put down my roots here. So it's very important to shine a light on the local community and the farm-to-table restaurants here. So we have over 80 farm-to-table restaurants in our farm-to-table directory of Atlanta restaurants that source locally. So you can find that. And we also have farms around Atlanta where you can go and visit. So literally, you can find farms to go on the weekends or go to a petting zoo or go pick berries or just go on a tour. So we try to do that, and that's constant content. Well, let's, let's just take a minute there. That, that, that's a good example of something I think you should, we should focus on or highlight this month. If you had a, a, a few hours and you wanted to uh, either experience a farm at a, at a pick, pick, picking or see something going on, where, how far from Atlanta would you have to drive? You know, it's really not that far. There's so many that are um, nearby, and the great thing is that we have a Farm Star Living app which is interactive, so you can literally look at that and say, what is the farm nearest me? And um, you can just look, and it will give you directions. It'll obviously tell you how long it'd take you to get there, and I think it's a great way to spend some time and get to know where your food comes from and support a farmer. Now, do you, what do you do with schools and people to help them educate and, and pass out to children more connections, or do you work primarily on the adults, the people who can afford the farm-to-table restaurants? Well, as an online resource, Farm Star Living actually showcases other organizations that do this. Like, as an example, when you mentioned school and education, October is a national farm-to-school month, so we'll work with the national group there. We also love to promote um, companies such as Captain Planet, who is doing this day in and day out to educate children. So we like to share their stories because they're really in the trenches on this 24-7. So we support those groups. And um, it's a pleasure to be able to bring that to light. Now, about how many farms around the country uh, are, are pictured in your app? Well... On the app and on the Farm Star Living website, we have around 900 farms. Um, and this is agritourism at its finest. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when I was starting this, which I launched this in January 2013, so I was working all on this behind the scenes in 2012, we were looking for um, farms. And only thing I could find really was like an Excel spreadsheet of certain farms without the warm and fuzzy information that I needed. Mm -hmm. So I actually um, got a group of people together. We researched so that people could easily find different types of farms. So you could actually find farms that might allow you to have a wedding or farms that have a bed and breakfast or a restaurant or petting zoos. And then to me, that was a great service that was missing so that people could find great farms. And um, so we rolled that out, and now it's about 900 farms. All right, so let's see. I think I heard that. So if I download the app. Yes, sir. And I want to get married, and I want to have a wedding at a, at a, at a farm. And Me I wanna, too. And I want to have a great, <laughs> and I wanna have a great, a, a great breakfast for my 
for my, uh, uh, my, my br- wedding party as well as the guests, and then I'm going to be able to use that Farm Start Living app, right? Yes, and I better get an invitation. You better get an invitation. <laughs> and J.C. can do the ceremonies JC, for you. Yeah, yeah. J.C. can, <laughs> can be part. Well, I, I want to wind back into this a little bit. Mary, we've kind of covered the, the gamut of your process. You are one of those new technology companies. Mm-hmm. You have been in the trenches learning just what your customers, constituents, and what you as the entrepreneur Wanted the, wanted the experience to be, it sounds to me like you've built a tribe over time that actually has uh, two different sides. You have the warriors and you have the workers. So you've got the people who are out doing the, uh, yeah. doing the using every day. We'll call them the warriors. They're, okay. they're actually using the forks and the knives. And then you've got the, uh, the other side who are using the pitchforks. True. <laughs> and to get the products ready. So strength-wise, wh- where do you see your marketplace going over the next uh, – two, three years, what what are things you can control and can do? Well, I will tell you, this has been like a rocket ship. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Because um, the more I have been in this business, the more people, I've noticed that people are really wanting to have a better connection to where their food comes from. Transparency today is so important. And what I like to do is help them be educated in a way that they can feel good about the brands that they support or they purchase. So when you go to a grocery store, for example, and you see all these brands, you're like, wait a minute, is this a good guy? Is this a bad guy? (laughs) So I try to basically let them see where that food comes from because a lot of the brands today are actually supporting farmers all over the USA, but their story isn't told. Mm -hmm. So I believe over the next two to three years, my company is going to continue to skyrocket because this has become such an important area that no one really had addressed until Farm Star Living was launched. And now, as I go into um, my fourth into fifth year, I have a ton of content. I have great relationships with these food brands, and I'm able to, you know, tell what makes them special and unique when they're worthy. Good. Yeah, so I don't know if you know this, but I'm having this big event on food transparency. Tell us more. Okay, well, it's in two days. I have (laughs) 16 of the most authoritative expert food brands flying in from all over the USA and Canada to share their story, how they grow their food, and to sample their food to Farm Star Living fans here in Atlanta and and the media. And where is that going to be held? Well, we have sold out with a huge waiting list, unfortunately. Well, next, year, next year will be here. It will be bigger. All right. But it is at the W Hotel in Midtown this Thursday. And so we have brands like Wonderful Pistachios. Oh, sounds good. I know. Taylor Farm Salads. Oh, sounds even better. I know. And like Mission Produce, Haas Avocados, and Hampton Farms Peanuts, and just amazing oh. brands. We mentioned watermelons earlier. We have Oof. one of the largest melon companies called Melon One who have watermelon farmers right here in Georgia uh, well, that provide them the watermelon. If it's not from Georgia, it must be from Alabama or North Florida. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. Well, Jay, you've been listening to this process. Has you been doing a pretty good job of building the customer experience at Farm Star Living? It sounds like it. And one of the things that comes through listening to you is you're passionate about what you're doing. And that's an important component of any story is knowing that the people behind it actually really care. Um, and so if there's a way to distill that down and to make sure that that same kind of passion comes through in all of your indirect and, and online stuff, then I, th- I think you're in good shape. 
Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm, I am passionate. It is, it's in my blood. It's, you know, I am a fourth generation farmer. This matters to me. Mm-hmm. I've watched my, you know, family, my grandparents in this world and all of their peers. And today I have met farmers all over the U.S. And I want to share their story in a way that does it justice. Congratulations. Sounds like you've got the dungarees, you've got the hat, you've got the gloves. Yeah. <laughs> you've got all that good stuff. Now, one more time, <laughs> tell us how to find you. And, and, and Well, I would love for everyone to follow us on our social media outlets, which is on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, Farmstar Living, and it is farmstarliving.com. And I would love to see you guys there because we have a lot of great things I think that you'll enjoy. So, Mary Blackman, we appreciate you being with us today. Oh, you are so kind to have me. Well, and Mr. Cornelius, Jay Cornelius, it's good to see you, JC. It's a pleasure being here. (laughs) And so we're doing a very good job. As we wrap up here at the end, we talk about the Buckhead Business Association one more time and talk about why you should be there and why you should be part of Buckhead. So we're very excited to be involved today with opportunities. If you've got friends out there who need to be on the radio and tell their story, we we had one more guest this morning who couldn't make it in studio with us, but the opportunity to tell your story – just the way you want to tell it. Uh, Rich, my co-host, is always of the opinion that we don't ambush anyone here. I got an opinion, yeah. yeah I got, a, <laughs> got an opinion, so Rich. A couple of takeaways from this morning's uh, show. Quick question for uh, Jay. Um, you talked about this uh, proof of concept and you know the, the example you mentioned at the trade show. What about crowdfunding as a proof of concept, or what other avenues would you uh, suggest, or how would you rank or scale those? Um, crowdfunding is interesting. It, it typically means that you've got to do a lot of marketing work up front, and you still have to figure out if a market exists. Right. So um, if you wanted to go on the street and kind of test and say, well, if we were to make this thing, would you buy it? You still should probably do that before you, you go into a crowdfunding campaign. So simply that's the because, precursor to the crowdfunding. Yeah, simply because crowdfunding, it, it, it looks easy. Like you go into Kickstarter <laughs> oh, and you no, see no. all the stuff, and there's like sexy videos, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that's, those are really actually difficult to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the to, to get a great quality video to tell your message the right way is probably going to cost you know minimum a couple grand right. up to ten grand could be even more so that's still an investment and you can prove a lot of those ideas just by talking to people on the street pretty easily that'll give you the confidence to go ahead and make that investment in crowdfunding and on um, for Mary so this uh, food transparency event, it's not plastic food is it or um. <laughs> Not often. <laughs> you see right, not often. Well, it doesn't, yeah. no. it doesn't you spoil see right for, through it's it. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> fresh. Fresh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the transparency, I get it. So um, uh, great show here today, right? It, it's yes a, or it's, yes? Yes or yes is both right. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun here today to have uh, an idea that we, we all think farmers are important. We all think customer experience is important. But many times we don't drill down and figure out how what really makes a company successful. And again, we all really don't know who our farmer is, do we, Mary? No, but we are helping with that mission. We are. We are looking at the picture. So go to Farm Star Living and, and take a look and go to Nine Labs and, and get some more information. In. And real quick on that event. So, um, yes, sir. It's sold out now. Come it's, on. It's it sold out, yeah. That's, next, that's a good thing, yeah. It's a good year, marketing Rich, let's yeah. talk. Yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, after, talk. yeah, yeah we'll talk. Yeah. Uh, now, are you going to have the event next year in Atlanta again, or will we move it to another city possibly? Um, I, was, I was just curious, like, your audience. Are these yeah. exhibitors, vendors, people that are um, restaurateurs would be attending, or uh, well, not necessarily the general public? Well, I am having the public. Okay. I, I invited Farmstar Living fans from our social media following. Okay. And um, it is also with vendors. So basically, companies that I love that are farm fresh food were invited. Right. They are experts in their categories, and they are going to be showing and sharing where their food comes from, how it's grown, and they're going to be sampling that 
to the media and to Farm Star Living followers. So it's a taste of the farm. It's a taste of the it farm. It really is. We're bringing our business to life. Nice. And uh, we plan to have another one. That's good. You yeah. may even have to do it semi-annual and sell, you sell out more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess we're out of time. Here we are. Yeah. Out of time. <laughs> Looks like they have <laughs> According to the clock on the wall, yeah. Um, so a quick uh, announcement. Uh, either one of you been to a, a Buckhead business event? Have you been to an after-hours mixer or a breakfast event in uh, Buckhead? I've been to a, one of the happy hour things, yeah. Okay, yeah. Happy ah, hour, yeah. Okay. He started happy hour. We started there early with bourbon, right? And they do the Young Bucks, too, right? <laughs> the Young Bucks. Looks yeah. like we might have some qualified, qualified parties here. So t- if, you're, um, uh, if you treat Michael right, he'll probably get you to a breakfast. We, uh, yeah. we would love to have you join us uh, Thursday mornings or Thursday evenings for our after hours or just join us. So give a call to BucketBusiness.org. Look it up on the website and drive down. My name is Michael Moore. I had the pleasure of serving as president many years ago, but just kind of still hanging around because I do enjoy this part of Buckhead. Back in the day before we had streets here in Buckhead, right? Well, you know, that's a whole <laughs> other story. That's <laughs> right. a whole other story. Come <laughs> on now. Right, yeah. The wagons needed <laughs> the wagons, something. Yeah. The they came right from the farm right to the, uh, they brought your fresh coffee, yeah, now here's your to the tri- breakfast. Here's yeah. your last trivia there. Okay, Rich. yeah. Do you, do you know why Peachtree Street is so crooked and so and so and goes all the way from the city all the way to wherever else the other end of the world is? I don't know. Crooked? Were the politicians involved? Or no. no? <laughs> it's, it's just basically the old Indian trail that went along oh, okay. Peachtree Ridge. Wow. wow. Thank you now, for that. I don't that. think there's any Peachtree's there yet, but they just saw it at Peachtree Ridge. And you won't read that in the Buckhead Guide, yeah. No, so but you will insider. read it 238 pages if you read the Buckhead book and yeah. pass Sam Massell's test. Okay. Oh. Well, uh, we will see you next time on the next episode of the Buckhead Business Show. Very good. Thanks, Wade. Thank you for joining us and our guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of the Buckhead Business Show. Brought to you by the Buckhead Business Association.